It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we begin, a warning. Today's episode contains discussions of a sexual nature. In a world obsessed with fame, it was a seminal moment, a scandal that allowed people who in the past had worshipped celebrities to now feel like they owned them. We now do assume that if they're a celebrity, we're allowed access to whatever parts of their lives we want to know about. It was the first of what became a hackneyed trope, the leaked celebrity sex tape. It was also the moment that launched the internet as a marketplace where everything was for sale. Today, when you look at the comparisons between things that have happened with other celebrities, perhaps having pictures of them uh, themselves naked stolen from their iCloud and things like that, we call that revenge porn now. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, Pam and Tommy and the scandal that changed celebrity culture. A new drama series that documents the theft and publication of the world's most famous sex tape has brought the incident back into the news. Pam and Tommy on Disney Plus has taken viewers back to the 90s, where this tale begins. So we're going to go back to the end of 1995, December 1995. Taking us on this journey down memory lane is Jane Mulcairins, Associate Editor at The Times Magazine. We should start in London, probably, being as that's where we are today. And Pamela Anderson, who was the star of Baywatch. The much-loved, slightly soapy drama about a bunch of lifeguards in Los Angeles. She was in London with her reasonably new husband, who she'd been married to for nine months, who was the drummer in Motley Crue. But while they were here on this particular trip to London, they discovered that a tape of them, a 54-minute tape of them, was for sale in Los Angeles. And eight minutes of those 54 minutes were quite intimate. Ah, that's a very polite way of putting it. And Jane, there is now a series, Disney Plus has turned that moment, the moment of this tape being leaked into an entire drama, a miniseries, because it was such a seminal moment, really, looking back now. 
for people who don't remember it, you know, for a lot of young people now, Pamela Anderson, the 1990s, ancient history. Just remind us, how famous were both Pamela Anderson and her husband? So Tommy Lee was 33 at this moment in, in 1995 and Pamela Anderson was 29. He had been an enormous star in the heavy metal slash glam rock music scene in Los Angeles and lived that real rock and roll lifestyle. They were notorious for drugs and groupies and trashing hotel rooms. Pamela Anderson had really brought Baywatch from being this kind of little watched, slightly obscure show to being one of the most popular shows around the world. It had a billion viewers in 150 countries. You sort of forget, but at that moment, almost anywhere in the world, you could say Baywatch and people would know what you were talking about. So hard to imagine now. And tell us a bit more about them as a couple, because in many ways, they seem quite unlikely. When I was uh, talking to people researching this story, I spoke to some reporters who'd been based in Los Angeles in the early and mid-1990s. And they were saying that it did really raise eyebrows when these two got together. While she was a pin-up, and definitely I was a teenager in the mid-1990s, and every boy I went to school with had Pamela Anderson on their wall, she was definitely seen as sexy, but she also had this image as quite wholesome, quite a good girl. She was a sort of clean-cut Canadian girl, whereas he was definitely a bad boy, tattooed rocker. So when they got together, people were quite surprised. How did it happen? It was New Year's Eve, 1994, about to turn 1995. She was in a club in LA called the Sanctuary Club. She apparently saw him across the club and sent a shot of Goldschlager, which is a sort of grim, schnapsy kind of potent, probably esophagus burning sort of (laughs) liquor. But she sent him a shot of that liquor and then he responded by crossing the club and licking her face from jawline to scalp. Um, Apparently he had been celebrating with crystal champagne and ecstasy, so he was quite well refreshed by this point. So they spent the evening together in the club celebrating New Year's Eve and then reportedly he spent the next six weeks pursuing her, love bombing her with calls. She resisted and then he tracked her down to Cancun where she was on a promotional tour for Baywatch and that's where they met for the second time. Spent four days in a sort of whirlwind romance, allegedly with a lot of drinking and drugs involved. And then, of course, as you do uh, four days after knowing someone, got married on the beach. Oh, wow. So much you forget about the 1990s, but for some (laughs) reason that, that didn't seem mad. That wasn't the maddest part of the story. They get married, seemingly quite happy after that. Yes. I mean, by all I mean, happy is one way to describe it. <laughs> they definitely demonstrated their passion for each other at all available opportunities throughout the rest of that year. As Pamela Anderson told one interviewer. I mean, we're very candid about our life and our lifestyle. If anyone's interested in, in our personal life, that's, you know, I, we talk about it freely or whatever. Reportedly, they were also very much in love. Everyone I spoke to from the time says that he seemed very devoted and almost seemed sort of surprised that she'd agreed to marry him and that he really worshipped her. But they moved back to LA and lived in the way that you want every celebrity, rock star, actress couple to live. You know, she threw an enormous birthday party for him with a fairground and dwarves and and wild animals and spent £5,000 on drugs and, you know, the sort of thing that doesn't happen anymore. And given her image before the marriage, did it change her popularity at all? Together they were greater than the sum of their parts in terms of the media attention 
attention. In the mid-90s, that was very beneficial for celebrities. And people questioning why she'd married him certainly didn't harm her popularity and her image because at that point she'd also hadn't really put a foot wrong. People perhaps questioned maybe how wholesome she was that she'd married this bad boy rocker. But again, it's a sort of older story in the book, the good girl and the bad boy. So, you know, it didn't really deviate from the Hollywood script in any great way at that point. So all seems to be going very well, but very soon it did come crashing down. Tell us about the sex tape. So to wind it back to the moment in London where they discover that the sex tape is on sale in Los Angeles, I should at this moment say that Pamela Anderson has never called it a sex tape. In fact, in an interview in 2020, she said it was never a sex tape. It was a sequence of vacations on which we were naked. It was a home video that they'd made, not necessarily a sex tape. Maybe this is our house. Look. This is our house. I know, it's going to be rad. When are you going to get me pregos? Huh? When are you going to get me pregos? I don't know. Trying. Trying? As you can hear in this clip, there are moments in the tape that show a couple just talking, alone at home, discussing their hopes for the future. And as Tommy Lee told Fox News years later... We're doing things that every married couple probably does. Those are tapes of us on vacation and stuff. It wasn't like we filmed some porno. In the months following their marriage, when they were living back in Los Angeles, Tommy Lee had been having his house renovated. Again, it was just brilliant celebrity detail in terms of the renovations. So they were having a 30-foot sex swing built in the lounge. They were having a shark tank. Of course they were. Of course they were. They were having a shark tank in the kitchen and a disco in the basement. And he was spending... Celebrity houses is complete, really, (laughs) without a shark tank and a 30-foot sex swing in the lounge. Um, So by all accounts... Let's say he kept having a changing vision about what his house should look like. And I don't think this went down very well with the many workmen that he sort of burnt through in the course of this renovation. And one of the workmen, an electrician called Ran Gautier, he actually dismissed, but apparently he still owed him $20,000. So in October 1995, this electrician, Ran Gautier, decided that he would exact some sort of tradesman revenge upon Tommy Lee. And he broke into the house, disguised in a fur that was supposed to make him look like a large dog if he got captured on CCTV. (laughs) But he broke into the house and in the recording studio, in the sort of garage area of the house, he managed to remove a wall, sort of the covering of a wall, and steal a safe. I mean, I've seen pictures of this safe and it is colossal. I mean, props to the man for being able to manoeuvre a safe out of a celebrity's garage with CCTV. But I guess he was very determined and knew the house quite well. Takes it to some wasteland and prizes it open. And in this safe, there were quite a collection of guns and quite a collection of expensive watches and jewellery. But there was also a high eight videotape, the sort of thing that's used in a camcorder. Now, again, because this is a Hollywood story, Van Gautier isn't just an electrician. He's an electrician that used to be married to a porn star and had also been in some adult videos himself. Oh, the plot thickens. (laughs) Yes. He had some connections within the adult entertainment industry. So when he watched this videotape, which turned out to be two of the most famous people in the world having eight minutes of 
intimate sex, obviously he could see the marketing potential there. Gautier tried to sell the tape to a lot of adult entertainment distributors, to porn companies, essentially, in Los Angeles. He wasn't very successful because, interestingly, porn companies and porn distributors appear to be perhaps a little bit more ethical than most of us might expect. And because the two people featured in the film hadn't signed releases, nobody would distribute the tape. Which feels fair, at least. You know, you would want to think there are assurances that people's sex lives wouldn't just be placed out there in the ether without even getting their consent. And yet they were. So what did he do? Yeah, I think this is the moment at which this story becomes something that's a bit more illustrative of a moment in time when things changed in terms of celebrity culture and enormously in terms of technology and our relationship to both of those things and both of those things together. Because having exhausted all of his many contacts, Gautier knew about this new thing that was happening called the World Wide Web. So he was aware that perhaps you could bypass the need to have a distribution channel and you could advertise something yourself on the internet. So he got a designer friend to make some very rudimentary web pages, which had things like pamsex.com, pamisextape.com, and he advertised the sex tape for sale online. But I mean, this was so rudimentary that at that point, so this is early 1996, there was no credit card payments, there were no streaming services. This was literally a web page that said, basically, if you'd like to buy a sex tape of Pamela Anderson, send a cheque for $54.99 to this address and we'll send you a VHS in the post. And did people, I mean, how many copies of this tape do we think he sold? Hundreds of thousands. Wow. Yeah, hundreds of thousands. I mean, they were boxing them up and, you know, loading them into lorries in California. And they had a very clever system of the checks going to a sort of Californian t-shirt company that was sort of channeled through somewhere in Canada. I mean, it, it was a very clever and anonymous way of doing this, which left them almost blameless and untraceable, importantly. So this sort of continued throughout 1996. And Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee obviously heard about it and were deeply unhappy about it. But because it was untraceable, at that point, there was very little they could do to stop it. Coming up, the fruitless fight for privacy and how the leaked tape fueled a whole new celebrity culture. That's after a word from one of my colleagues, who you'll know well. This is Callum MacDonald interrupting your enjoyment of Stories of Our Times to say hello from Times Radio. Every weekday morning from 5am you can join me on Early Breakfast as we unpack the day ahead just for you. We bring you the biggest talking points in sport and we bring you Times Radio's first business bulletin of the day. Before the markets have opened, you know how they're going to shape the day ahead. We can only do all of this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. I hope that is you. If it's not, you can subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. When Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee found that intimate moments of their life together were on sale for public consumption. They immediately tried to put a stop to it. But the leaked tape was already being sold on the internet and it was already unstoppable. We feel, felt and still feel very violated. I mean, that's, those are some private, private moments. It's not funny. <laughs> not funny. This is devastating to us. Speaking to reporters from the time who did spend time with them, Pamela particularly was distraught. She did feel like it was an infringement of their privacy that this very personal video that had never been intended for anybody's eyes but their own was out there with hundreds of thousands of people watching it. And then they heard that, you know, it'd fallen into the hands not just of individuals but also publications. Well, it's stolen property. This is the Tommy and Pamela tape, and it's it's um, stolen from our home, and everyone's making money off it. It's been exploited all over the world, and we're going to stop it, and we're going to sue everybody who sells it, distributes it, anything. They tried to launch various injunctions and appeal to judges to get it stopped, to ban the tape, and also to stop publications from getting hold of copies of it. Unfortunately, all of their efforts came to nothing, Interestingly, one of the judges said that because Pamela Anderson had posed naked for shoots and also because they'd been very open about their sex life, they talked about their sex life in interviews, they talked about it on television. You're pregnant. That's great. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Now, how did, uh, how did that happen? Well, not how did it happen. I know well, how it happened. Well, pretty much. Well, I mean, that's great. somewhere in my trailer, I think. Well, that's great. He felt they had bypassed the right to privacy about that part of their lives. That's mad. <laughs> I mean, now that would seem completely insane because surely it's up to you to set your own boundaries. You know, they discussed the things they wanted to. That was a tape they didn't want to share and yet it went everywhere. Yeah, I think that's the part of the story that feels the most anachronistic when we look at it from today's perspective. The idea, particularly that as a woman who feels exploited by something that's happened, the idea that you've bypassed your right to privacy by anything that you've done in your own personal life. I mean, today, when you look at the comparisons between things that have happened with other celebrities, perhaps having pictures of them uh, themselves naked stolen from their iCloud and things like that, we call that revenge porn now. Yeah, it's mad to think that was allowed. And there was also, at one point, a public interest defence. Tell yes. us about that. Reportedly in the video, she's rolling a joint. And because she had publicly declared herself anti-drugs, another judge said that it was a public interest defence that people should be allowed to see this video because it contradicted her public claims about being anti-drugs. It's hard to see how that's in the public interest. Again, I think, you know, this is such an issue of what we consider privacy now. I, I don't think that a judge would ever make that judgment. 
When this tape was now circulating and it was also making its way towards publications, mm. and we should just clarify, neither Pamela Anderson nor her husband, Tommy Lee, made any money from this. It's now doing the rounds. It's making a lot of money everywhere else. I mean, did they profit? Made not one dollar. Are you? Well, I no, thought you guys made a deal. Pro- we made a deal to stop the shenanigans and stuff. I was seven months pregnant with Dylan, and I was thinking it was affecting the pregnancy, the stress. And no. I said, I'm not going to court anymore. I'm not being deposed anymore by these horny, weird lawyer men. Right. I don't want to talk about my vagina anymore or public sex, anything. We never, either of us, made anything wow. from it, and it was stolen. The story does get quite complicated because without wanting to get too in the weeds with it, once the judge had been denying them sort of permanent injunctions and and things like that, they did eventually come to an agreement with one person who had basically bought the tape for what we're going to come to in a minute, which is streaming it online, which is becoming a new thing. So there's a young man called Seth Wachowski, who was a bit of an internet whiz, and he had purchased the tape and was going to broadcast it online and did, in fact, begin broadcasting it online in 1997. Pamela and Tommy found out about this and then managed to strike a deal with him to basically sign away their copyright for him to broadcast it online, which made them, I think, a little bit of money. But what they thought they were doing by striking that deal was preventing it then from being distributed. We signed an agreement with them that only um, let them out of the four minutes that they showed on the internet. And that was our understanding of that agreement. We never gave them the right to sell the videotape or distribute the videotape anywhere in the world. I think it says a lot about what they thought about streaming and where it was going in 1997, that they didn't think it would be very big, that they perhaps thought not that many people would see their sex tape online because their conception of viewing was mainly through distribution of VHS tapes. So they thought that if they signed this copyright, allowed him to stream it online, it would be minimal in terms of viewings and they could stop its distribution. I mean, two things happened. It didn't stop him distributing it. He still sold it to a porn distribution company and it made $77 million in its first year. So unfortunately for Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee, both of their aims with that copyright agreement didn't come to fruition. Failed spectacularly. And what impact, I mean, personally, this must have been horrendous, uh, an awful thing to go through, but what impact did it have on their careers? I think it had very little impact on Tommy Lee's career, which I think is indicative of a deep level of misogyny, which I think is probably still the case when these sort of stories and issues become public. But for Pamela Anderson, I think there was I think there was a, a two-part change in her public image. I think lots of people were very keen to watch the tape and it didn't necessarily damage the thirst for information about her obsession with her. I think it probably fueled popularity to a certain extent, but I think it had an enormous impact on her career because Hollywood is a really curiously prudish place and its studios are run by relatively conservative boards. And unfortunately, when you have an actress who is now very widely and publicly associated with quite an explicit sex tape, there are lots and lots of roles that she's not going to get considered for. You know, she's not going to be cast as a Disney princess Mm. after being known for being part of a sex tape. Her career never really recovered from that. Now, you know, at the time when that tape was leaked, 
it was a huge moment. You talked about how nobody really understood how streaming on the internet would work. Suddenly that, you know, they're making 70 million within a year. That's a revolution in the way people were accessing media. It was also sort of people weren't used to the idea of a sex tape, of, mm. of sort of being able to see personal moments of celebrities' lives. I mean, looking back, how much of a, a seminal moment was that? I mean, I think it's enormous. I, I think that's the real takeaway from this story that's, you know, certainly more meaningful and more impactful than just some slightly saucy moments from two people who were famous. I, Rolling Stone called it the fulcrum of celebrity and technology and the moment when commerce and the internet sort of really became the thing that we know it as now, which is really the only means by which anything sells. It is that magic formula of people's sort of slavish lust for knowledge about celebrity and suddenly having the means with which to access it. And I think we can see the trajectory of things from this moment through to, you know, the launch of the Drudge Report. The Drudge Report was a website started by Matt Drudge, which broke the news of an inappropriate relationship between a White House intern and President Bill Clinton, which eventually led to his impeachment over the Monica Lewinsky affair. You had this sort of similar internet moment and all the way through to the enormous success of things like Mail Online, which really is fuelled by the public thirst for celebrity pictures, information. It's driven an industry that we weren't even aware existed before. And it wasn't the last of the, the sex tape genre either. You know, that's sort of become much more common now. But it does feel like the reaction to sex tapes has changed completely mm. from that first yeah, version. And I think you could say that Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee sort of involuntarily launched the sex tape genre in a way because before this internet moment people didn't have the same access to it. You might have been able to buy a tape if you were in Los Angeles, but you certainly wouldn't have been able to access it from Hong Kong or Australia or the UK. And I think while they were horrified that their sex tape had become so public, I think following the fact that it had only increased their fame, their popularity, people's thirst for knowledge about them, I think other would-be ambitious celebrities following in their wake have perhaps more cravenly used that genre in order to either launch their careers or relaunch their careers or to sort of cynically gain a certain type of fame. It feels like it was a pivotal moment for celebrity culture mm. and for just that moment where people suddenly felt like they're entitled to so much more of somebody's private life. I mean, how do you think that's evolved since mm. then? Pamela Anderson has never talked about being exploited. Did you see that Hulk Hogan got $115 million for his sex tape? That pissed me off. All I got were some stupid Motley Crue tickets. I mean, perhaps that's because they were her own videos and she maybe never felt that she had a right to talk about the exploitation of something that she'd made herself. But I think... The act of releasing such an intimate video of someone else without their permission to a public, you know, who lapped it up, as I said, today it would be called revenge porn. But I think it has led to a public presumption of access to celebrities, again, that didn't exist before. And it's something that the star of the Pam and Tommy series recognises. 
Lily James herself, who plays Pamela Anderson in the show, with, I have to say, an extraordinary amount of very heavy prosthetics. She has said, you know, on the part of a young celebrity who's obviously been herself certainly the target of a lot of paparazzi attention, she said there is no such thing as privacy now. I wanted to look at what it would be like as a young woman at that time to have such a huge, huge invasion of privacy as a newlywed, as an expectant mother, and, and sort of the larger implications of that, how it's shaped our internet culture today and our celebrity culture. It feels really essential and timely. We now do assume that if they're a celebrity, we're allowed access to whatever parts of their lives we want to know about. Doesn't feel right at all. No, I will say I think that there has been perhaps... Another piece to that since the mid-1990s, which is obviously social media, and I think that the advent of social media has perhaps allowed celebrities to have more control over their public image and the curate dissemination. how much of their private life you see. Yeah, I think they can curate what we see, how we see it. But again, the other side of that coin is that I think it is a double-edged sword because I think now many celebrities would say that they feel obliged to share so much of their life publicly, which they perhaps didn't feel before the dawn of social media and the internet. And do we know how they feel about this new drama about that moment? I mean, are they being exploited all over again? Is this their private life being used for other people's profit? It's perhaps unsurprising that Pamela Anderson has had absolutely nothing to do with the making of this drama. Lily James, who plays her personally reached out to Pamela Anderson because, you know, she felt that that would be something she'd love to do when inhabiting this character, but never heard back, which Lily James has said, you know, saddened her a little bit. But Pamela Anderson is having nothing to do with it. Tommy Lee has taken apparent delight in uh, this new series and um, has spoken out to say that he wants everyone to know that it was them that broke the internet first. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Associate Editor at The Times magazine, Jane Mulcairns. You can read more of Jane's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription or in print. The producer today was Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by Tom Birchall. If there's a story you'd like us to look into, any ideas for future episodes, or if you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, then do drop us a line to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a review. We do read every one of them. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.